1: Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God.
0: And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the
1: redeemed. Well, we thank you for tuning into this Monday edition of the podcast. We are going to be looking again today in the Psalms, and we're looking at Psalm 118 as we prepare to get ready for the big psalm, Psalm 119. I'd ask those of you that listen, do pray for us. Pray God to give us wisdom how to approach Psalm 119. I have a feeling I think it's more than one podcast just to read it, let alone to expound upon it. And so if you would pray for that, I would thank the Lord for the good weekend we have at the Concord Baptist Church there in Lexington. It's always a good to see Brother Townsend, dear friend of ours. One of the first men to ever have been in ministry. In fact, the last two Sundays, uh, the two men that, that we preached for, the churches we were at, the Grace Baptist Church then the Concord Baptist Church, some of the first uh, churches that ever had us in in evangelism. And so we thank God for them. Thank God they still let us come, still let us preach the word of God and what a blessing that is to our hearts. Now, we've added a few meetings coming up in January, a couple of new churches for us as far as meetings are concerned. Uh, one church is going to be in Martinsville, Virginia. that will be starting on New Year's. And then the second week, which starts the 9th of uh, January, will be in Pennsylvania, East Broadtop, Pennsylvania. So those of you in the area that are interested, maybe in coming, just contact us. And of course, we get closer to the date, we'll announce that. And we're looking forward to what the Lord's going to do. We thank the Lord for those meetings in Pennsylvania. I thank the Lord. It's always good to preach in our home state. Always good to preach near home, not just for travel purposes, but just it's good to be around the house. It's good to preach to our local people. We thank God there's still meetings in Pennsylvania. So those coming up in January, looking forward to the Christmas season. We thank God for that and uh, pray that you're having a good year. Praying that God has blessed you this year. Pray that God has blessed you with this podcast. I hope it's been a help. We've labored in this and uh, tried to do our best. The Lord's touched our throat a little bit this week. We thank God for that. Give it about a week's rest. Thank God for those men that filled in for us. Uh, one unknown to him filled in for us. The other two were known as they sat here with me, and we were able to record. We thank God for that. Thank God for the messages that were preached. Psalm 118, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Again, that's the character of God. It's not just what God does. It's his very nature. God is a good God. Thank God for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. That's twofold ministry, and uh, that's the way the Lord works, and I thank God for that. Thank God the Lord is good. And then secondly, because his mercy endureth forever. Now, there's a colon that separates that, and it just simply says, because his mercy endureth forever. That's why we give thanks unto the Lord. He is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Thank God for that. And I want to thank the Lord for his mercy. We're going to look a little bit more extensively at his mercy in the weeks to come. when we get over there in Psalm 137 through Psalm 144. And in the midst of all that, we're going to take some time. And we're going to look at the mercies of God. And I believe that the Lord will have us pause there in Psalm 136 and extensively deal with mercy. We've been studying that already, studying some of it for this psalm. And I believe that's when the Lord's going to have us preach on mercy and deal with mercy, probably after the new year. Uh, But all thank God for his mercy, it endureth forever. That's an ongoing tense there. It's one of the verses I've often used when you see that ETH. It's an ongoing tense. It's a continual tense. The Lord's mercy has endured. The Lord's mercy is currently enduring, and can I say to you, the Lord's mercy is going to continue to endure. How long? It's forever. It's eternal. That's an eternal word. It endureth forever. Let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let them now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. Now, i got a dear preacher friend of mine down in North Carolina. Man's in a wheelchair. I had an automobile accident back in 1983. Broke his neck. Had to learn how to walk again. Had to learn how to really function in life. But God's given him a family. God's uh, saved him in the midst of all that. Called him to preach. And he's often defined mercy as this, receiving from the Lord less than your iniquities deserve. And he's a man that flipped a car and broke his neck as a lost man after rejecting the gospel. But God in his mercy, God long suffering to him, saved him, regenerated him, made him new again. And he said that it's far less than what his iniquities deserve. That's the mercy of God. Our iniquities deserve to put us into hell. Our iniquities deserve to destroy us. Our iniquities deserve instantaneous judgment. And thank God for his mercy. I'm glad that his mercy endureth forever. That's why he told them to praise the Lord. That's why he said, let Israel now say, oh, to lift up holy hands and to say his mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, that's that good religious crowd, those Levites, that his mercy endureth forever. Let them now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. So that includes pretty much everybody that knows the Lord. And they're going to say his mercy endures for it's of God's mercies were not consumed. It's only the mercies of God that we have this podcast. It's the mercies of God that we're not all in hell and in hell suffering, the torment of the flames of hell. It's God's mercy. And can I say to you that mercy is found in his son. And one of the things we're studying even now again, and I'd like to look to that in a couple chapters here, but mercy and truth, they've kissed each other. That mercy and truth you cannot separate. The mercy and truth is Jesus Christ, and we see that the Lord is merciful, and the Lord is merciful in His truth, and because of truth, and therefore they're inseparable. It goes on. Then verse five says, "I called upon the Lord in distress; the Lord answered me and set me in a large place." Now, those of you that listen to the podcast often and followed the podcast this last year, especially. Uh, We're looking, of course, at a messianic psalm. We're looking at Jesus Christ. What is that large place? It's a place where Abraham's bosom is, where the rich man in hell looked up his eyes, behold, Lazarus afar off. And so we know that Jesus Christ was in that large place. He was preaching to the prisoner. He was preaching to those in captivity. He was there in that large place. Why? Because of the mercies of God. And so this, again, becomes a messianic psalm, and I believe the whole thing is probably a messianic psalm. It doesn't tell us who the writer is, but it simply tells us, I called upon the Lord. Another one of those key phrases we see in the Psalms, I called upon the Lord, to call upon the name of the Lord, to call upon him. That's the son, that's the father, that's the relationship, my God, my God. That's the relationship between Jesus Christ and his father. And so he said, I called upon the Lord in distress. Why was he distressed? Because his soul's been made an offering for sin. He is suffering the torments of hell. His soul has been offered that you and I might obtain mercy. Then he goes on and says, the Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man or what can man do unto me. Why is the Lord on his side? Because he's righteous. He's the son of God. He's Jesus Christ who knew no sin. And so the Lord heard him to put him in this large place. And then the Lord was on his side in that place. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? Again, there's a colon there. It's a completely separate statement. What can man do unto me? Why? Because all of us could say that. Every one of us could say that. What can man do unto me? We need to fear God. He has power to put both body and soul in hell. I realize men have power to destroy this body, but I believe it's a saying of God, I'm protected, I believe I'm safe, I believe I'm secured in Christ. Nothing's gonna come uh, to me that's not gonna come through him. And if tragedy does come my way, you'll know it's through the hand of God. And I belong to him, I am his and he is mine. It goes on, it says, the Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. And so the Lord takes my part with them that help me. And then there's a colon there, another complete different sentence. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. Who hated him? Those that gnashed upon him. Those that ripped the hair from off his face. Those that beat him. Those that cried crucify him. Those that came and put that reed in his hand with that scarlet robe upon him and mocked and made fun of him and scoffed at him and said, if thou be the Christ. And those are those that hated him. We see that in the scripture. And many of them were devils, absolutely. But many of them were people. Many of them were man. Many of them were the Jews. Many of them were the chief priests, the scribes, the elders of the people. And so they hated him. And he's going to have his desire upon them. And what is his desire? Well, his desire is to extend them mercy. But if they will not receive his mercy because they won't receive his truth, then he's going to cast them into hell. He says it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's interesting, I was reading just today the book of James, no coincidence, the Lord's faithful to do these things for us. The book of James, chapter 2, and verse 1, he says, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. So he says, brother, you're not going to have the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ with respect of persons. Why is that? Well, the same thing we're talking about here. We don't fear men. We don't look at position and pride. By the way, that is... Is so far removed from most men's minds today. Religion is about prosperity. Most religion today is about finances. It's about gain. It's about profit. There's not sacrifice. You no longer go somewhere and work your fingers to the bone. That's a that's a shame and a reproach that a man would do that. That a man would live in poverty. That a man would suffer for the cause of Christ. Yet I know, even as a young man, I remember growing up thinking that preachers were poor because the preachers I knew in the holiness church were poor. They didn't have a lot of money. They lived by faith. And so I went to the ministry. I just decided to live by faith. And they never ask for support, never raise support. Didn't go around pandering for money. There's times I was flat broke. There's times that I tried to get a meeting here or there, or pick up a weekend because I was flat broke. I knew a church might take up a couple hundred dollar offering. And to be honest with you, whether or not, you can criticize that until you've been in the, the shoes of an evangelist doing that. You can go ahead and criticize, but the reality is there's times I would have starved if I hadn't have done that. There's times I'd go places and kind of camp out. Why? Wow, they'd feed me. And yet that's not not because I'm not living by faith. It's because that's just a place God had me at. And there's no reproach in that. There's no shame in that. There's no mocking in that. But yet we have respective persons today. We're about financial gain today. we what can this man do for me? What can this man help me with? But he said this, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. If God can't open doors and God can't provide support and God can't provide our need, that's says that singular word, that good singular word, my God should supply all of our need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If he can't supply our need, then why in the world are we saying we trust him? If we don't think that God can take care of us, why do we say we trust him? It's exactly what the verse is speaking of there. He says, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. You know why? Princes will fail you, but Jesus Christ will never fail. The Lord of glory will never fail. And he goes on and testifying. This is Jesus Christ testifying. This is Jesus Christ. By faith, he's speaking, all nations compass me about, but in the name of the Lord, will I destroy them. They compassed me about, yea, they compassed me about, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Now, it's interesting because that will, and those of you that uh, know me as far as concerned the podcast, my personal preaching, I oftentimes look at that statement, the I am's of the word of God, and I correlate those with the I will's or the will I's because it denotes the deity of God, the deity of Jesus Christ, I am. And then when he says, I will, it denotes his will. He's telling you what the will of God is. And it's God's will to destroy those nations. It's God's will for those to destroy those that came against him, those that compassed him about, those that spit upon him and mocked him and cursed him. It's his will to destroy those nations. And why they compassed him about. He said, the name of the Lord will I destroy them. When is he going to do that? Well, we see that in the book of Revelation, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, a name which no man can utter written upon him. And that's who's coming. Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he's going to judge this world. He's going to slay those nations. He is going to utterly destroy those nations. Why? Because they would not receive him when he came as the Christ, when he came as the Messiah of Israel, they would not receive him. He goes on in verse 12, says, they compassed me about like bees they're quenched as the fire of thorns, for in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. So again, we see in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. In the name of the Lord, will I destroy them? And so we see all three statements are made, but it's the will of God that he destroyed them. Why? Because of his son. They've rejected his son. If folks don't understand and realize, not only nations, but individuals are going to be judged with what they've done with Jesus Christ. Have they believed him? Have they received him? Or have they rejected him? And these are nations that cursed him. These are nations that mocked him. These are nations that scoffed at him. These are individuals that scoffed at him. And he said, he quenches the fire of thorns. He's going to be the crackling of the thorns. It's going to be when those sinners fall into his hands. Because they've rejected Jesus Christ. They've rejected the truth of the word of God. Verse 13, thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. And so again, they thrust sword at him. And it's, those words are no coincidence. That's the blessedness of the King James Bible. What did they thrust sword at him? Well, they thrust a spear into his side. We know that. when water gushed forth. We know that, of course, uh, not only there at Calvary, they got, they, they pierced his side. And why does the word of God use that terminology? They thrust sore at me that I might fall. They wanted to make sure that he was dead. And so they came to break his leg, saw that he was dead. They put the spear in his side. And so again, scripture fulfilled in Jesus Christ, messianic Psalms, messianic prophecies, speaking of that one which is to come. And yet when he came to his own, his own received him not. They couldn't receive these scriptures. They couldn't believe these scriptures. And it's amazing how many people today, even though it's given to us in the New Testament, all these things are fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and they still balk at these verses. They don't want to believe these verses. Uh, they're not popular. They're not trendy. They're not Protestant manuals. They're not in all the doctrinal books. They're not in their college education, and so they say, "I don't, I don't know about that." You know, but and, and I'm not. Trying to be a self martyr here. My goodness isn't the farthest thing from a martyr, but you know, people say, Oh, McVeigh's lost his mind. McVeigh's kind of crazy about that. But the reality is, it's the words of God. And when it says thrust there, guess what they did? They thrust a spear in his side. We're looking at the person of Jesus Christ. We're looking at a messianic psalm. We're looking at a merciful God who had mercy upon his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Tomorrow we'll finish this psalm uh, still looking at the mercies of God concerning his son, Jesus Christ. We hope you have a great day.
0: There's a lost soul who started of his sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glory.